Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, a show that dedicates itself to the best racket sport in the world. For the most extensive tennis podcast, let's join Ryan Tennyson, Josh Campbell, Joel Fritchie, and your host, Val Febo. Two years ago, we asked whether Roger Federer was on a downward trajectory towards retirement. Since then, he's gone on to rewrite the history books. But is Novak Djokovic, the 12-time major champion, has undergone elbow surgery over the past week, begging the question, can he get back to his best? This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo here with you in our Brunswick studio. We've got plenty to get through. Joel Fritchie and Josh Campbell are in the house. Ryan Tennyson will join us on the line to chat about Novak. We'll review the Davis Cup action from the week, how the Australians did and what the news what news came of it and also the other results from the Davis Cup as well. We'll also talk about Petra Kvitova's win in St. Petersburg along with the Taipei City results and, of course, review the all-important rankings, our new tournament, our new competition, the preview predictions and we'll also preview what's coming up over the next week of tennis but before we do any of that let's introduce the panel and alongside me I've got Josh the captain Crunchy uh, I've forgotten all the nicknames I think so how are you going you are unbelievable Josh Campbell I didn't say it. <laughs> you are unbelievable I said all the names I forgot your last one how not you going? that this is a story about Novak Djokovic here's the headlight how do you manage to make Roger Federer the start of your intro because I forgot to mention you, it last week. You cannot week. shut up about him, can you? No. It's just all you talk well, about. Well, you know I love him, but I had to make the comparison. Um, well, how are you going anyway? I'm going good, yeah. Uh, there, there is something we do need to talk about. The, um, <laughs> the, the former world number one, arguably the greatest player over the last um, three or four years between like 2012 and 2015. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, we, um, will, we will get to that, yeah. and we've got a very special guest on the line. We, we do. We'll, we'll get talk to about in a quite second. a bit. And Joel Fritchie is also in Breakpoint HQ. How are you going? Sweaty. I'm very warm. <laughs> it is very hot in Melbourne at the moment. I think it got to 40 degrees outside. It's 36 outside now, but inside the studio, I think it's about 42, 43. But no sunlight, so it's not too bad. Um, but before we get into anything, uh, Joel, just quickly. Now, we ha- we had some discussions on the Davis Cup. Mm-hmm. Were, were you disappointed? Um, oh, Last, with or, Australia? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, any time they lose, you can't help but be disappointed. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think I'm disappointed more because we all sort of thought that we were a good chance of winning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I am disappointed, actually, yeah. Yeah, well, we had, a, we had a lot of discussions about it last week, and that's sort of a, a little taste of what's to come for later when we do discuss that. But before we do, Ryan Tennyson, our other, the other member of our foursome here at Breakpoint, isn't in today. He's uh, running, running around the Herald Sun office, causing a lot of havoc and uh, causing havoc at uh, a few crime scenes as the, the court reporter. But, uh, Ryan, it's great to have you on the line. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. How are you doing? Good, thanks, mate. Yeah, always a pleasure to be on the show, and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, ready to, to jump into the world of tennis, man. Now, your favourite player of all time, Novak Djokovic, we've seen over the last week, has had elbow surgery. And look, we did say last week that he he did need to have it. It, it was inevitable. Uh, what, what were your thoughts when you saw the news? Um, well, uh, just as, as you said, it was definitely inevitable. Um but uh, he shared on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram today a video of him working out. So it looks like the, the surgery was successful. Um, he had it late last week, I think on Friday, and um, he, he seems to have bounced back from that well. He did call it a minor surgery, so hopefully it's uh, not too long before he's out there on the court again. Yeah, well, his statement read on Instagram, Hey guys, I owe you some news about my recovery. I've been carrying this injury for the past two years, and during this time I've been seeing many doctors... Truth be told, there were many opinions, different diagnosis and different suggestions. Uh, it was not easy for me to choose which way to go, and I took six months off last season hopefully, or to hope to come back fully recovered, but unfortunately, I still felt pain. I really miss competing, and it's in my blood, and I had to give it a try uh, in the AO. Anyhow, I agreed with my team that I would try different methods after I finished in Australia, and a few days ago, I accepted to do a small medical intervention on my elbow. It seems like I'm on the good road now to full recovery. It's quite a journey, this one. I have to say, I'm learning a lot, and for that, I'm grateful. Uh, he's, and then he goes on to say he's always taken care of his body, and it's rewarded him with some successful results. But, Ryan, the successful results part there, can he get back to his best? And, look, I think the eight slams, we thought maybe he was a chance of catching Roger when he was on 17. He now needs eight. Uh, I think that might be out of the re- out of reach. But to actually win a slam, do you think he can get back to that point? 
Um, well, I definitely agree with you, first of all, about not being able to catch Roger. I think that's, that's firmly gone now. Um, but uh, the discussion of can he get back to at least contending for a Sam, I, I definitely think so. Um, because it, at this stage, the injury doesn't look to be degenerative. Like, it's not going to get worse. Um, well, fingers crossed anyway. And so uh, hopefully he gets fit and healthy. If he is, he will always be a threat in, in Grand Slams. Ryan, should we have seen this uh, this action from Novak come a little bit earlier, do you think? I mean, now that you know the season's just started, we saw him, I guess, struggle a little bit um, in Australia. And, you know, it's only only one, really one major tournament into the season. We're only at the start of February. Should he have, should he have taken the time out, do you think, a little bit earlier, maybe over the off-season? Oh, absolutely, mate. He uh, he needed to have this surgery, you know, months and months ago. Um, he obviously took the, the path, which, I mean, to be fair, he's always taken this with a lot of injuries, um, where he's chosen to, you know, he's opted not to go for surgery. Um, you know, for one reason or another, he believes that uh, enables him to recover quicker or uh, there are other advantages there. But, um, yeah, absolutely, Joel. He, he needed to take this months and months ago, needed to bite the bullet. Um, and and take the surgery because now uh, he's sort of been forced to, to to wait out some extra time. Well, when in your opinion, when could you see Djokovic getting back to uh, his best? I guess. Um, oh well, I, I think the first couple of months uh, when he does return will be sort of shaking out the rust, and I think he needs to establish you know a rhythm and and get himself back uh, to that. You know th- that tour body that made him so dangerous. Um, so it could take a good six months before he's starting to play some of his best tennis. And if Ryan, if he does come back in six months, that means he's lost a considerable amount of points from the tour, including a Masters 1000 final in Rome, two Grand Slam quarterfinal appearances at Wimbledon and the French Open last year, along with a title in Eastbourne. Uh, what do you think it would, or how dangerous do you think it could be for him? should he come back outside the top 100 and if he enters a Grand Slam, because he'll, of course, get a wild card, how dangerous do you think that is for him um, if he draws someone like a Nadal or a Federer in possibly round one? Um, well, I mean, look, let's, let's be real. I think the chances of him actually getting Nadal or Federer in a round one of a Grand Slam is absolutely remote. I'm pretty sure organisers will ensure that does not happen. Um, Imagine but, that. Well, I mean, it would be huge, but there's no way that's ever going to happen. But in terms of drawing other top quality in opponents, like, you know, he might have to play as Varev or a team or, you know, a player of that calibre really, really early and throughout the uh, throughout the draw, which obviously will take a toll. Fantastic. Uh, Ryan, that's, that's pretty much it for us today. And, um, look, thank you for joining us. We'll hope to see you in the studio very soon. We do miss you. Um, we've got a spare seat here for you. It's got your name on it. It says reserved for Ryan Tennyson. <laughs> if anybody else sits in it, um, we, we are authorized to slap them. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so you, you've got, you've got your chair here. We can't wait to see you back in the studio. Thanks again for joining us on Breakpoint today. Thanks. I can't wait to join the team again, guys. Take care. You too. That's Ryan Tennyson there running around the Herald Sun office and, and making all these different waves uh, in the media world. But look, guys, Novak, he does have a lot of points to defend this year. And he will miss, I think, probably, uh, I think, Acapulco quarterfinals last year. Uh, played Indian Wells. Didn't do too well there. Lost to Kyrgios in both weeks there last year. Where where do you see Novak coming back from in terms of rankings. So when he does eventually come back, does he come back, is he inside the top 100 or do you think his injury, and elbows are very hard to come back from no mm. matter how minor they are, do you see him coming back inside the top 100 or outside and having to make a really difficult road back to the top? Well, I think I think with any injury, um, I think, you know, it's always going to be difficult. Um, you know, how many, how many players have we seen that have had injuries and sort of slipped down the rankings? And not to say that Novak won't, come back from this um you know we, we know how, how good he is and how good he how good he can be and even against um Hyun Chung um you know he did have some good moments it wasn't all bad for uh for Novak but we, we've seen guys like Nicolas Almagro for example a, a very very talented tennis player in his own right um once he had his injury he he never really got back did he um no and you know Novak's not young he's not a spring chicken anymore well he's 30 um, turning 31 this year so yeah exactly yeah so look I, I don't look I, I still think he can get back from this um whether he'll ever get back to his best I don't think he will um, yeah maybe maybe he hangs around around 10 to 20 I don't think he'll he'll get back in the top 10 anytime soon 
So what ranking do you reckon he'll be when he comes back? Tough question. Um, I guess if we're looking for a precise ranking, uh, probably tough to really put your finger on it, but um, when he comes immediately back... Jeez, that's it's a really tough question. I Pro- think he's outside the top hundred. If he doesn't yeah. come back, if he doesn't come back in, because say, mo- mo- most of his points were in the first half of the year anyway, yeah. so he's going to lose quite a bit of them with the six months out. I would, I would say, he'd be outside the top hundred. Well, look, say he's out for four months. His ranking, his points sit on two four seventy. Mm. Say he's out mm. for four months, he loses at least fifteen hundred of those points, or six, or maybe eighteen hundred of those points. That leaves him with six hundred. He's about eighty nine, ninety in the world. Yeah. So, but look, I, I don't know if he's going to be uh, even up for if that he's seated outside the, the top hundred or something like that. He'll he'll get into Grand Slam stuff with wild cards. He'll get wild cards. He'll There's be no fine. Back Djokovic. That, that's no issue yeah, for him. He'll be able to get into tournaments. If they um, gave him to Sharapova, Djokovic is getting wild cards, barring some circumstance that that causes more controversy yes. than what Maria Sharapova did. And, so. and at the moment, I'd say that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, so it'd be exactly. safe to say he'd be getting wild uh, wild card entries into pretty much any tournament. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, as Del Potro has shown, though, like he's someone who has been suffering through injuries for years. It is possible to suffer from something very serious. That's, I mean, this has been hampering him for two years now. To go through Del some, Potro? No, no. The oh, elbow, Djokovic, yeah, yeah. Djokovic's elbow has been hampering him for two years. It is possible to come back from that, a serious surgery. And um, obviously, Del Potro took a lot longer. But you can get back to almost your best form just by working yourself really hard into it. Yeah, and that's, that's what we have seen with Del Potro. But uh, he got his injury at about 24. So obviously, that's, obviously, that's really Djokovic different. is older. I mean, yeah. what about Federer? He's, he's had injuries well, well he, at thirty-five. At thirty-five, and he's come back and he's playing <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, the, you cannot write Djokovic off and no. say he's not going to get back to his best because no. you're just writing off a champion. But the difference between the two, Federer is very easy on his body. Djokovic isn't with the way that he plays. His he game slides style, yes. around. That's very important. Mm. Um, and that that's why I think Federer has had such longevity in the game. But you Again, look and you look at Rafa now. I'd. Don't know if Rafa has another slam apart from Roland Garros in it. I, I don't. I genuinely don't think he's a threat. I, no, I disagree with that. Even though he's world number one. No, no, look, no. I, I reckon he could win any Grand Slam. You think? No, yeah. definitely not Wimbledon. He's no chance of Wimbledon. I, 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 any tournament Nadal is in, if he can get himself, um, if he can give himself time off, which is what I always recommend for Rafa to just play less tennis, because it'll be a massive benefit for his game. I reckon he can win any tournament he's in. Yeah, oh, no, nah, I, th- I think Rafa is at that point now where clay, and then maybe... Oh, I still don't know how he won the US Open last year. He got a very good draw. He got a very good draw. There were a lot of good circumstances surrounding it, but that can happen in any tournament. Yeah. Well, Ro- Roger could get injured. Yeah. Something could happen. You could have a young rising star come, come up against in a yeah. semifinal and a final. You never know what's going to happen, but I'm sorry. To, to say Rafael Nadal isn't going to win anything other than a French Open, I, that's ludicrous to me. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we, we Wimbledon, often... Obviously, Wimbledon will be difficult, but if he's you put him in Wimbledon, not, yeah. ranked, not world number one or two, you, you can't cut him out. Um, no, I'll him cut out. him out straight away. I don't care where he's ranked. Um, he hasn't made a Wimbledon quarterfinal since 2011. Oh, um, again, I'm not saying so, it's difficult, but any, any yeah. tournament he is in, when he is at his best, he is mm. almost unbeatable. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Rafa does go and how Novak goes when he comes back. So I think it's definitely a watch this space. But we'll move on. And the Davis Cup took place over the weekend, the first round of the World Group. And all of us were quite positive about the Australian chances against Germany. I, How naive are we? Personally, I, I think this is a shocking loss for Australia. If they want to go forth and win the Davis Cup at some point, these are the ties that they have to win. I don't care who's playing for Germany. When you've got one man inside, I think, the top 50. I don't think Struff's in the top 50, maybe just, um, when in your opponent team. And you've got Nick Kyrgios... Alex Alex Demonor was the shining light in yeah. this tie. He was phenomenal. And then when you've got John Pierce and Matt Ebden, who are good doubles players, um, I, I think those two losing really hurt us. Yeah, um, that was disappointing. Yeah, I, I think the biggest shock from that um, tie was the doubles. Oh, for sure. Like so I, going one one all into that um, that doubles tie, you, you thought we're going to be commanding control, have that two one lead, and obviously with Kyrgios playing, um, Kyrgios playing Zverev, we had that opportunity. We could have that opportunity to lose that tie and have Demir yeah. win it for us, but we lost it. Well, the doubles tie was the one I penciled in as a hundred percent win for Australia. Poots and Struff, Struff, sorry, were amazing. All credit to them because they played a scintillating brand of tennis. Their serves were phenomenal. And their volleying was was completely out of this world, and I thought, what 
Piers and Ebden, there wasn't much more they could do. They fought until the very end, took two tough sets in tiebreaks. Uh, the, the Germans served for the second set to go up two sets to love. Um, they missed a set point, and the Aussies took advantage. But the third set, 6-2, they just kept their level consistent throughout the entirety of the match. And I think that was what won it for them. The Aussies were just a bit flippant in what they were doing, and they were a bit inconsistent, and I think that was the undoing. The Aussie crowd definitely helped them out a lot. There are a lot of times where you thought they were down and out, and um, the crowd fired them back up into it. Well, yeah, exactly. And the crowd was very good. But um, the doubles match, I thought, was the key loss for Australia. And then, look, the first match between Demonor and Zverev. Wow. I, I thought... It's got to be one of the best um, Davis Cup ties we've seen in recent history. Oh, in recent times. Uh, up there with the, that doubles match with Hewitt and Groth. Would, in Wimbledon. In, uh, not no, no, against Great Britain. Against, exactly, yeah. That yeah. Was awesome. the, against the Murrays. That was, yeah, that was... Geez, that for was Davis Cup ties, Australian ones in particular, that's it's got to be a highlight over the last yeah. ten or fifteen years. Yeah. Well, the the Demonor match, I I picked on Friday. I thought he would win. Um, I, I changed won. I changed really my verdict. And yes, he should have. Well, he was up two sets to one, and then in the fifth set, he had a break point to go up four love. Couldn't take the opportunities. Verev ended up getting it back to three all, and then it ended up going to a fifth set tiebreaker. So it was a seven five four six four six six three seven six in favor of Zverev and. Look, I thought Zverev was supreme in that last set, the way he got himself back in. Stopped trying to hit winners and tried to get the ball in and make Demonor work and took advantage of... I think he's got more physicality at the moment and more experience than what Demonor does. But I thought I thought Alex had him mentally for a point there because if he had gone up for love, that would have been, I think, 13 consecutive games in fifth sets that Zverev had lost. Because mm. back to Wimbledon last year, he lost 6-1 in the fifth to Ranić in the fourth round and then to Hyun Chung in the Australian Open, 6-love. And then Demonor went up 3-love. So I thought he's got him completely uh, over a barrel here. And unfortunately for the Aussies, the the world number 5 showed why he's ranked that highly, Joel. And Mm. full credit to him because he played a scintillating back end of the fifth set. He did. He did. Um, And you've got to give some credit to Alex Verov, especially um, against Nick Kyrgios as well. Um, Oh, yeah. I thought that was a real statement by Alex Verov. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he had to make a point. He did. He did have to make a point. He said that last Um, week. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as you said, Val, we've we've seen him in in the fifth sets lose his head, Um, you know, because he has. Um, Obviously, the six love against Chung, going three love down against him and R, sort of two very similar players, um, workhorse players with great court coverage. Um, certainly against against Chung, he, he really did um, sort of, you know, he, he did go for broke really, and it didn't come off. Um, so look, I was quite pleased for him actually um, that you know he said he was going to make a statement, and that's exactly what he did. So fair play to him. I will donate one of my kidneys as Verov isn't world number one at some point in his career. Oh, I thought oh, you were going to say kidney. this year. Oh no, 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 um, no not the, not not this, in his career. Um, it, it's just guaranteed because you've already said Chilich this year, and if you go Zverev as well, I'm not. I'm not donating my kidney on Chilich because that is a very big statement. But I'm um, sticking by that. That's still going to happen. Look, if Zverev never, oh, we've got to cut that audio because if if Zverev never gets to world number one, I'm uh, I'm taking one of his Some, kidneys. Someone out there is getting a kidney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might just keep it for safekeeping yeah. if I ever need another one. <laughs> Kidney fight. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, this this took a very dark turn. Um, I, but, but just know, before we get it, because I know we're going to get onto Kyrgios very soon, I really wanted to bring up an interesting point that we've discussed on this show before. What do we think about the fifth set tiebreaker and Davis Cup ties? Look, I'm not a fan of it, but the players wanted something shorter and I'd, I, I'd rather be dead than see a Davis Cup live rubber go to three sets. Yeah. Um. So I'll take the five sets. Obviously, it was a good compromise, but it felt I felt for me a tad anticlimactic for that fifth set to just be ended by a tiebreaker. Yeah, I get what you mean, but look, the players they go on at the end of a the season. They go, oh, sorry, mid-season. They go on somewhere else during the week, um, and you know if you play, they play four hours anyway. But if you go on and end up going like sixteen, fourteen, that's another you know yeah, it's hour, another, half, it's another an half an hour, hour forty-five minutes. But for me, it kind of. The match was so fantastic. It, it ebbed and flowed perfectly. And then coming into that um, match, having it six all in that fifth set, you just felt like the game needed... Um, could, imagine how much better it would have been had, been had a little bit more to it uh, as opposed to just that fifth set tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it, but look, I'd much rather it be five sets than yeah. best of three, which it is in the, in the group in the group stages of Asia, Asia Oceania, and Europe, Africa, and, and South America groups. So It's just like a local um, 500 tournament. It doesn't have that same level. No, of, um, and yeah, I, I agree. So, it. look, 
eventually it probably will get changed to three sets. The voting was close last year. But I think if it does, I think they need to make that third set an advantage set yeah. where you can go to 16-14 or or 2018, whatever it may be. I think there's a big theme to, to our show in total. It's that the Fed Cup doesn't get the same level of atmosphere that we would like um, oh, the World Cup of Tennis to have. You mean the Davis Cup? Or? Yeah, the Davis yeah, Cup. Oh, yeah. both of them. Yeah. yeah well, it, I think when you watch ties overseas, and Joel, I know you like a, you like a good crowd as well, mm-hmm. um, you see how, how vibrant they are, especially Spain against Great Britain uh, throughout the week. I think that was... Fantastic. The, the crowd there was phenomenal, Joel. And what do you think that they could do to get the crowd more involved in, in Davis Cup? Because it's something... And the Labor Cup has hampered it a lot. But what do you think they can do to get the crowd mm. back, uh, more involved? Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting one. It really is. Um, I don't. Th- to be honest, I don't really think anything needs to change. Um, like, depending on where you go, you're going to see that anyway. Yeah. Um, so look, I'm. I guess it just for me, it depends on on where where the tie is being held. Yeah, um, like that, if you're playing in Baghdad, you're obviously not going to get a good crowd. Well, but, to be yeah. honest, I don't think they'd be playing any Davis Cup in Baghdad. <laughs> but um, no, like it really, it just comes down to where it is. Um, I mean, we see different levels of you know fandom um, yeah. across the world. It just it just really comes down to um, where the match is being played. It's really all, all I can say. I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. But uh, we better get to a break. After the break, we'll discuss Nick Kyrgios and talk about uh, what happened over the women over the course of the week in the WTA. Uh, Petra Kvitova taking a title there, so we'll review that in a little bit more depth. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo, Joel Frucci, and Josh Campbell here with you. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Before the break, we discussed the Davis Cup tie between Australia and Germany. We want to... Just before we move on from that, I think we need to discuss uh, probably the elephant in Pat Rafter Arena, and that was Nick Kyrgios' performance. He's always under such scrutiny and by pretty much everybody in the Australian media, us included. And look, I think we've gone on, on record as saying we think his demeanor, his, not, I sounded like I was saying demon or then, but um, his demeanor on court needs to improve. Did so for the Australian Open mostly, and then in the first tie, but the second tie... Uh, the second rubber, sorry, we saw the Jekyll and Hyde of Nick Kyrgios and we saw him smash a racket, give up a point in the tiebreak, which ultimately cost him the set um, and another injury. So with Nick, look, I, when he's injured, I kind of don't, like I know this is awful to say. It's, no, it's, all, it's always sad to see someone injured, but with how many he has, I don't feel sorry for him because I know for a fact that he doesn't do much preparation before matches. Uh, or practice. So if you're not going to be doing the practice and you want people to feel sorry for you that you're injured, I'm sorry, you're not putting in the hard yards. You're a professional athlete. Just suck it up. Do the hard work. Don't practice for 15 minutes like his former coach said. And get in the gym. I heard a story that when they did the Fast Four um, in January in Sydney, Zverev got there, did half an hour of stretching and preparation. Nick got there in his basketball gear, Changed and started and started playing. That's all he did. Well, it's kind of so, the same story of someone who rocks up to gym, goes straight into his first set, and then wonders why his chest hurts. Like yeah. five minutes into it. Well, exactly. You got to prepare. You got to warm up. Yeah, that, it's that. That's just basic biology. Yeah, and that's and that's where I don't feel sorry for him. But it's always something different with Nick. So, look, I want to get your thoughts on him because I was really disappointed with him this weekend. His match against Struff was was great. He didn't show much emotion, even against Zverev. He didn't really get overly upset towards the end of the match. And that, that's a credit to him. The way he lost... Look, the second set wasn't great in the tiebreak. But look, Joel, what, what did you make of his performance? Because I, I got a little bit frustrated. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, it was underwhelming. Um, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. Um, it wasn't great to watch. Um, and uh, we were just having a discussion um, off air before, Josh, just about, you know, we, you know, this is the World Cup of tennis. Um, and we even said it on air as well that, you know, you, we, we want players playing like they're representing their, their country, wearing the colours. Um, and that's not to say that Nick wasn't wasn't doing that. I guess, you know, to you know, to a naked eye, maybe uh, in different people's opinions, maybe he could have been doing it, you know, um, 
how how am I going to put it to you know he could he could have taken it to an, another level probably shown some you know some more some more grit in the key key yeah. moments. Um, I don't like I don't really like accusing players of giving up. Um, and for what it's worth, I I. I don't like talking about Nick, and certainly I don't like talking. Yeah, about Yeah, I'm a little bit over it as um, well. In, in this sense, I want the guy to do well. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of one step one step forward, one step back kind of thing, or at times two steps back. Um, yeah, yeah. But look, to put it simply, it was it was frustrating, not totally unexpected, but um, yeah, it's yeah, I'm almost over over the issue. To be honest, for me with Nick. I- I like the whole one step forward, one step um, back metaphor, but I would I would more have it as more of like a two steps forward, one step back. Because obviously, yeah, he's, he's definitely making progress with a lot of his issues. This year, he the, has. the Australian Open was a good example. The one thing that really irritated me, I don't know if you remember the Gregor Dimitrov match, him screaming at his box to stand up whenever he'd win a yeah. point. That that really really annoyed me. But um, apart from that, the the match against Vera for me was really annoying because I saw like he played really well against Struff. I thought he looked he looked rather impressive. Uh, and then you come into the match against Zverev, and it, I thought he beats Zverev. I thought it, I thought he would. So oh, as in you thought he would beat him. Yeah, I oh, thought, okay, he would yeah. Beat I thought him, you yeah. said he'd beat him, and I was no, like, no, I thought no, he would. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought you looked a bit confused. Yeah. There. No, that was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, same. I mean, you, you did say before that you thought. I mean, before the game that you um, thought maybe Zverev had a point to prove, and he did show that exactly. Play with a lot of aggression, but yeah, Nick in that third set, extremely under underwhelming, and for what we've been calling for a while, the like it's the the World Cup of tennis. It should be so important when you're just not putting in the effort. It's just really irritating to the entire nation. Oh, mate, I, I, 100% with what you said there. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And it, it is the most irritating thing about him because he does have the talent. And it, it's there. He's probably more talented than what Zverev is. He leads yeah. their head-to-head 3-2. But in a best-of-five set match, I think that that encounter highlighted the gap between Nick and the top echelon of the game. And I think it showed what work he has to do and how much he has to do as well. So look, it's 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 disappoint it's a disappointing weekend. We'll see how he goes when he gets back to the tour and what he does in the best of three set tournaments. Um, it was his first loss in Pat Rafter Arena for two years, so he's had, he, he's done all right. But look, yeah, it's a really disappointing weekend for him, and I think he'll look back on that second rubber against Verev and say, "Geez, yeah, there's there's points here where I could have performed better." And his serve was off a little bit. I don't know if it, and he seemed like his his elbow was injured, but look, that just comes with preparation, and he doesn't do enough of it for my liking. And I think if it, you know if you're a professional athlete, you got to make sure your body is good, and that, and that's where and that's where he made the mistake. And we'll see how he goes over the next couple of weeks. But moving on, the other ties over the weekend: France defeated the Netherlands three one, Italy over Japan three one. Some epic five set matches involved there. Spain over Great Britain three one. I don't know if you guys saw the scenery or the backdrop of that of that tie. Wow, phenomenal! Um, like the mountains in the background of an open clay court. It was beautiful. It looked like something out of a Hollywood movie. Oh, it sort of did. It was it was really awesome. Um, Kazakhstan over Switzerland four one. Croatia over Canada three one. And Belgium over Hungary three two. That leaves the quarterfinals: France versus Italy in Italy, Spain against Germany in Spain, Kazakhstan against Croatia in Croatia, and America versus Belgium in the USA. So that is the Davis Cup. For now until April when the World Group quarterfinals get underway. But we'll go to the other results of the week. And what a story it was for Petra Kvitova winning her 28th career title over... I don't know how she got there, but Kristina Mladenovic got to a final. She actually won a match and won a few in a row. Um, she's barely won one since October. So brilliant stuff from her. Uh, 6-1, 6-2 in the final. And quickly, guys, I just want to get your thoughts on where Kvitova is at and... It's a great story. I think it's her second title back since she's come back. She's had a lot of problems over the last year, and fingers crossed she can actually main or sustain her injury-free or injury or maintain her. I'm losing, I'm lost for words here. Just maintain her body throughout 2018. There we go. I got there. I wanted to say really quickly about Kvitova. If she stays healthy and at the level of play that she played in the moment, I would almost have her as the favourite for Wimbledon. Oh yeah, agree. She, well, she's won two of them. Yeah. Unless Serena's back, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put her as favorite. No one here. Okay. She'd definitely be up there. Yeah. But she'd be oh, up there. Obviously, grass. It's her favorite top surface. Top five. Top five. I, I, top five. I would. You put Serena back. Obviously, Serena's the favorite. Pretty much any tournament she's ever going to be in ever. Um, it, it'd be interesting. We'll talk about Serena eventually when she comes back about how she recovers from having um this time off tennis as well. But yeah, I I, I think you'd almost have to con- consider Kvitova the favorite if she continues this level of play up until Wimbledon. 
big statements of plenty here from Josh Campbell on break point. And Joel, where do you see Petra Kvitova at the moment and how can she progress in 2018? Um, look, having watched her at the Australian Open uh, pretty closely, there. well, I mean, that probably says enough. There wasn't really much to watch because she didn't make a, a big impact. Well, she lost, I think, 10-8 in the fifth to... Um, no, in yeah. the third, sorry, to yeah. Andrea Pekovic. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as as good a match as it was, that's a that's one I'd expect Petrovic to win. Yeah, um, I think most did. Yeah, so look, I'm to answer your question, Val. I'm not really sure where she's at just yet. Um, uh, look, I think um, you know we've already touched on the grass; it's a favourite surface. I think once that comes around, we'll really know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, I don't really expect her to make much of a uh, much of an impact up until then. Um, Look, so yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I, but what I will say is I'm, I'm glad that she's back and playing some good tennis. I think that's something that we can all appreciate. I think everybody is. She's one of the best characters on the WTA. She's genuinely nice. And I think everybody wants to see her back and healthy because so, she can produce some awesome tennis. Well, and that's Yeah, that's what, what we, we really mentioned really quickly. Um, her th- three of her, um, her biggest matches, you could arguably mention Julia Georges, who is also a contender as well. But against Alina Vesnina, she won 6-2-6 love. Against Ostapenko, the second seed of the tournament, she Six, six two six, six love. Six two six love. And then against Mladovic in the final, six one, six two. In those three games, she dropped seven games. Yeah. So three matches she dropped seven games. Scary. Yeah. Scary stuff. So Petra Kovitova, phenomenal week from her. She'll play Fed Cup this weekend in Prague. So we'll be talking about that a little bit after, or a little bit later, sorry. Uh, in Taipei City, this was an interesting tournament. Not many, you know, massive players there, but some interesting matches. But Tamea Barbos, Josh, we picked this. And there's a oh miss miss high five in, aired that one. We, that was uh, terrible, missed guys. the high five in the studio, but uh, let's digress. She defeated uh, Kozlova seven five six one for her third career title. And just before we move on to the rankings, the Stefane train. He won the Bernie Challenger over the weekend, so second oldest Challenger winner in history. The Stefane train. So we love bringing him up, or I certainly do. Um, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, he's uh, <laughs> certainly one of the favourites in my book. But we'll move on to the rankings, and there weren't too many changes on the men's side. But Joel, did you want to run us through the top 10? Yeah, so uh, unchanged. So uh, Rafael Nadal is still up the top. Roger Federer, second. Marin Cilic in third. Um, Gregor Dimitrov, fourth. Alex Vera, fifth. Dominic Team at six. David Goffin, seven. Jack Sock, eight. Juan Martin. Del Potro, nine, and Pablo Carreño Bullstart rounds out the top ten. Fantastic. Thank you, Joel. The Australians now, that's my duty. 14, Nick Kyrgios, unchanged. Matt Ebden, down one to 75. Jordan Thompson, down one to 103. John Millman, down one to 109. Alex Demonor at 139, unchanged. Akira Santil- Santillan, down nine to 157. Bernard Tomic, down one to 169. Jason Kubler, after the semifinal, uh, making the semifinals in Bernie, is up 22 spots to two. 17. Uh, Tanasi Kokonakis down 2 to 219. John Patrick Smith also down 2 to 221. Just before we move on to the WTA, guys, Jason Kubler, he'll be in the top 100 at some point in 2018 if his body stays That's right. That's a big call to He make. won the Playford Challenger just before the Australian Open, got himself a wild card, could have beaten Pablo Carreño Busta in the first round. Um, just watch out for him. What about he, his game in particular do you think is going to make him make this big of a push? He can hit the ball aggressively, he's quick. Um, and just really consistent on the court. Um, he, he's just got a lot of talent. Was a, was a top young junior. Played junior Davis Cup for Australia, I think. So he's got um, he's got a lot of potential. For the listeners at home, uh, home who might not know him, uh, what kind of game style would you compare him to? Uh, probably that of a sort of... Uh, Leighton Hewitt, maybe. That, so that very defensive, sort, sort just of constantly mold. getting the ball back? Yeah, gets the ball back a lot, but he's aggressive at the same time. So can okay. turn defense into attack pretty quickly, sort of like a Hyun Chong, um, something like that. So, yeah, I, I really rate his game and the way that he plays. He's, he's a serious talent. Um, so he's he's definitely one to watch. But um, had five knee reconstructions over his career, Jesus. and he's 25. Jeez, so, he's beaten Daniel Menzel. That's impressive. Yeah, well, exactly. And for those of you who don't know who Daniel Menzel is, look him up. He's a Geelong AFL player. Um, he's had knee reconstructions galore. So um, hopefully that Jason hopefully Jason can get himself back on the tour or onto the tour. He's, he's a great young player, a great young guy as well. So hopefully we can see the best of him. But we won't do rising sliders for the men's group this week because it was Davis Cup. Nothing really happened apart from some challenges. So we'll move straight to the WTA top 10. And that's your role, Joel. Uh, Josh. 
Joel, do you have, Almost, like, had to happen. First time in 2018, I've stuffed up the names. Uh, I mean, oh. it's our fault for having the first two letters being the same, isn't it? I know, it really yeah. is. Mm. All right, so obviously, similarly, uh, top 10 remains unchanged. At one, Wozniacki. At two, Simona Halep. Three, Alina Svitolina. Four, Gabin Muguruza. Five, Christina Pliskova. Christina, that's right. Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> Good uh, start. Yeah, I'm giving you all this stuff and I can't even say her name right. Uh, at six, Yelena Ostapinko. At seven, Caroline Garcia. At eight, Venus Williams. At nine, Angelique Kerber. And at top ten, oh, there, there was a change. It's not been marked down here, but uh, Julia Georges. Up two spots. Up Career two spots. high ranking for her. So phenomenal from Julia. The Australians now. A few changes, actually. Only one that was unchanged in the top 10 Aussies. Ash Barty, unchanged at 16. Dario Gavrilova, down 1 to 26. Sam Stoza, down 5 to 44. Isla Tomjanovic, up 2, firmly inside the top 100 now to 98. Arena Rodionova, down 9 to 133. Olivia Rogowska, up 4 to 147. Lizette Cabrera qualified for Taipei last week, up 6 to 157. Destiny Ayava, up 4 to 188. Priscilla Hon, also up 4 to 190. And Isabel Wallace, up 2 to 243. So the women's contingent, very strong from an Australian point of view. Let's go risers and sliders on the WTA this week. We'll start with you, Josh. Uh, well, I've got a picker. I made a big claim about her, as I do every week, saying that she's arguably one of the favourites for Wimbledon if she can keep up her four form. Uh, it's Petra Gavidova, who's up 8 spots to 21. Phenomenal, yeah. Well, she won in St. Petersburg and thoroughly deserves that yeah. big rise in the rankings, Josh. Joel, damn it, I've done it twice in five minutes. <laughs> the heat's oh, taking a toll on you. How yeah. am I going? Yeah, the heat is killing me, I will say. Uh, well, I've uh, I've got Julie Gorgues. Um I mean, did anyone really expect her to be in the top 10? No. no. She had a really good finish last year, won a couple of titles, and now she's be- it's all bearing fruit for her because yeah. she's inside the top 10. Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly didn't expect it. But anyway, no. she's up to, uh, to number 10, so she, good on her. She's yeah. up. She's been around for such a long time. To too. me, the biggest thing I've known about her is the amount of different ways people have pronounced their last name. Gogez, Georges, Georges. Um, oh, there's a million. Yeah. There is an absolute million. I've, I've heard someone say Joagez. Well. That's uh, definitely not right. Um, Tamea Barbos is mine. She won in Taipei City. She's up 10 spots to 35 in the world. Sliders of the week. I think I know who yours is, Josh. It's been a while since I've mentioned her, hasn't oh. it? I have a reputation on the show into ripping into her for no apparent reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, down five spots to 44, Sam Stozer. Should get a sting every time you mention Sam Stozer's yes. name or rip into her. The Sam, the Sam count. It was a classic way for you to lose as well. Just the, the very mm. typical Sam Stozer we've remembered over the last yep, three or four uh, years. In the first round of Taipei City, Joel? Um, I've got Christina Mladenovic, um, mm. which may seem harsh because she actually won some games. Yeah. Um, you know, she's had a pretty rough time. didn't defend her points from last Lately, year. Yeah, but she didn't defend those points and uh, she has dropped three spots uh, down to 13 now. Yeah, well, she won St. Petersburg last year. So her first half of the year in 2017 was out of this world. So let's see if she can try and replicate that and maybe maybe the love of Dominic team might help her. Who, who knows? They're, they're going out at the moment. Mm. So maybe maybe that sort of player or person that she can lean on, a fellow player, might give her that inspiration that she needs because he's certainly playing well, some good She looked really good up until that final where she just got thoroughly outplayed. Kvitova was doing that to everybody, though. So fair play to Christina. Mine was uh, Tatiana Maria, down 9 to 58. So... Uh, that's that's not where you want to be. Also, Yulia Putinsova down at thirty to eighty-one. So that's uh, not a drop that you want when you're in. Well, when you're almost in the top fifty to drop thirty spots, that doesn't help at all, does it? So uh, that's it for the rankings, and we've got to, we've got some pretty interesting discussion to come in the previews of this week. Our all important picks for what's happening or what's going to happen this week. Well, what we think will happen. It never usually does, apart from Josh who picked both <laughs> women's results last week. Um, so we've got plenty more to look forward to here on Breakpoint. So stick around. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo, Joel Frucci and Josh Campbell here with you today. It's a stinking hot day in Melbourne. We're pushing through. Um, I, I think this is probably harder than what Djokovic and Monfi did at the Australian Open. What do you reckon, guys? 
Hundred percent. Oh yeah, this it is because uh, we got to talk. They don't have to talk, so exactly. they, they can just sit there and and complain. I, I, I do, kid. That is, of course, harder than what we are doing right now because we're sitting here. We've got water or access to water anyway. Um, let's do our preview of this week and our new previews competition. Our tipping competition for 2018 is underway, and I can be involved in this one, which is phenomenal. I'm I'm very happy I can be involved instead of doing. We, when Ryan does get here, we will do. We will resume the trivia competition, but. Last week, the standings were me on five, Joel and Josh equal on four, Ryan on three after the Australian Open. We've had a week. Davis Cup ties have finished, plus the WTA events. Me on 15, Josh 14, Joel 12, and Ryan, the Prophet, way behind on seven. That's what he gets so, for not coming into the studio. So he's, not, he's not getting that analysis into him. No, he's got a lot of work to do. So this is going to be really interesting to see how he can fight back. But let's get into the previews and the all-important picks for this week's action. We'll start in Quito, where one of my favourites is a three-time defending champion. He's 16-0 there, Victor Estrela-Burgos. Um, Pablo Carreño Busta is the top seed, Albert Ramos Vinales is second, Monfi third, Paulo Lorenzi fourth, Horatio Zabayas was five. He's out, lost to Thiago Montero, 6-4-7-6. Victor Estrela-Burgos, as I said, the uh, three-time defending champ is the sixth seed. Ivo Karlovic, seventh seed. Nicholas Jarry, eighth from Chile. He's 95th in the world. Carreño Busta, 10 we talk about the disparity of seeds in on the WTA. Uh, this one can rival it here in Quito. But um, look, there's there's a strong top half of seeds here from Carreño Busta to Lorenzi. Um, it sort of dips a little bit after that. But who do we have winning this title? We'll start with you, Josh. I got Carreño Busta winning it. Unfortunately, I wish I wish I could get behind Australia Burgos, but um, already pushed himself to a three setter in the first round. I. Just don't see him doing it again, unfortunately. Yeah, well, and I've got him versing Ramos in the final, which is really boring, honestly, one versus two. Yeah, well... But, I mean, I mean, sometimes boring is right, and I'm yeah, always right. You're not always right. Look at the look at the scores. Um, but look, I've got I've got Estrella Burgos winning this. He beat Tomas Bellucci. He's in the four editions of Quito. They've played every time against each other. Victor has won all four now. Uh, I've got him beating Carino Booster in the final. I reckon he's going to go for the four-peat here. We saw Dylan Alcott do it at the Australian Open. I think Australia Burgos is going to do it. Joel, your prediction, please. I think you're dreaming. Um, I think uh, Pablo Carino Booster will win this quite comfortably. Mm. Um, and I think he's going to beat Casper Ruud in the final. Fantastic. Ooh, well, Casper Ruud. What's the particular reason you've gone with him? I just like him. I reckon he's a really good kid. No, yeah, he's, he's, I like with Hennessy plays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't kick on as much as I thought he would last year. But I think this year could be a real, a real, well, a big year for Casper Ruud, the Norwegian. Let's see how he goes. He was really but, good in his first match against Berlock. So. He did. So yeah, look, I've, this is going to be this is going to be a fun tournament. I think you two have Carino Busta winning. I've got someone completely different. But look, he's never lost in Quito before. You're going I'm, with history, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Uh, that that's pretty much the only reason behind it, <laughs> and I love the bloke. So um, I should probably be picking favourites for this competition, but let's see. I reckon he'll do all right. Uh, in Montpellier, we'll start with David Goffin. He's the number one seed. Luca Pui, two. Joe Wilfried, Songa, three. Damir Jumhur is the fourth seed. Haven't said that at all yet this year. Richard Gasquet, five. Andre Rublev, six. David Ferrer was seven. Lost to Karen Khashanov, six, seven, six, three, six, four. And Yuchi Sagita is number eight. So Simon, unseeded. He'll take on David Goffin in the second round. John Millman also in this tournament. Uh, he'll play Yuchi Sugita in the opening round, so the eighth seed. I think John's a chance to win that, and I reckon he's a chance to do well. I'm not sure how well. We'll get your opinions now. Josh, what's your pick? Uh, well, I'm not picking. Um, some, I'm going completely left field with this. I've got Medvedev making the final, Yep, and he'll lose to Rublev. Two Russians yes. in the final. So Rublev over Medvedev in the final. Um, that's that's an interesting call. Joel, what have you got? Uh, I'm going much more boring. Uh, I have David Goffin knocking over Joel Wilfritzonga. <laughs> i got the exact same final. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's mine. I reckon John Millman will get to a quarter, though. No, I hope so. I Hopefully he does. In the first round. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Good pick there. Um, Sophia now. Stan Vavrinka, he's back for his first tournament since the Oz Open. He's the top seed. Adrian Manorino, two. Gilles Muller, three. Philip Kohlschreiber, four. Robin Haas at five. Victor Troitsky, six. Jasusa, seven. Evgeny Donskoy, the eighth seed. We'll go picks here, Josh, please. I, I've got to go Stan. I, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, his form has been really strong, obviously. Um, well, coming back from injury, Coming back it's from difficult. injury, it's always going to be difficult. Um, I do like him as a number one seed in the tournament, though. He's okay. He's never really cashed in as much oh, as not, David no, Ferrer. I was going to say, he's no David Ferrer when it comes to being the number one yeah. seed. But um, I, I don't know. I've got um, 
big, 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 big expectation of the world number one. Ah, oh, the world number one. The um, the number one seed in this tournament. Uh, the other side, I'm, I'm not really too sure. I think Gilles Muller is probably the favourite from the bottom side of the draw. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's. It's going to be tough. I think the bottom side of the draw is a lot tougher than the top. So it's going to be a big slog to see who can get out of that. Joel, what's your pick? Uh, I have uh, Gilles Muller beating Philip Kohlschreiber. Fantastic. I've got Kyle Schreiber in the final. I think one of Joel's favourite players, Adrian Manorino, oh, he's is going to win a title. Jeez, that's a bit harsh. He's world number 25. He's, he's due for a title. He's How not, he he's not one one in his career. So I think he's going to get one this week. Let's hope he does because it bugs me that people are in the top 30 and don't have a title next to their name. I don't rate so, him at all. So I know you don't. That's... Um, Sort of one of the reasons why I picked him to get your reaction, but no, I, I genuinely that's, do think that's he'll a good win. trivia question. What is the highest ranking someone has gotten to without winning a title? Yeah, that's one that I do need to look up. It's it's inside the top twenty, definitely. That'd be um, fascinating to look up, actually. Yeah. Well, let's we'll try and find out for next week for our loyal listeners. The Fed Cup now takes place this weekend after the the one week after the Davis Cup first round. Before we get into what our world group predictions will be, let's talk about Australia versus Ukraine. They'll take place in Canberra on grass this weekend. It's an interesting uh, interesting. I'm mm. really surprised they're playing in Canberra, but um. Nation's capital needs something, doesn't it? Yeah, apart from tumbleweeds. Yeah, well, pretty much. Um, the Australian squad of Ash Barty, Dara Gavrilova, Casey Delacqua, and Destiny Ayava will take on Ukraine's Marta Kostyuk, who made the third round of the Australian Open. Young 15-year-old. She's going to be a phenomenal player. Jeez, uh, oh, I can't even read my writing here. Um, Lulu, uh, Liud, Talia Kichinok. <laughs> you got I it? Think. Close enough. I haven't written that correctly, so let me. I've, I've got to get the name up on my phone here. But um, Nadia Kichinok, her sister, and uh, Dasha. So someone actually named Dasha is playing against Australia, and Gavrilova is in the team. I really hope they play each other because that would that that would Lude be Myler. Lude Myler, that's it. Thank you. Um, Lude Myler Kichinok and uh, Nadia Kichinok, the two sisters, will play. I think they're going to be the doubles combination. And yes, as I said, Dasha Lopetetskaya. Lopetetskaya. There we go. They, they are some really hard names to pronounce. I got there in the end. Um, look, the Australian team is pretty damn strong here. You, you, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed not to go 5-love in this, I reckon. I think 4-1. I reckon Kostiuk beats Gavrilova. Yeah, I'm thinking 4-1 as well. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah. Out, outside the top 100. Yeah, she beats Gavrilova. Gavrilova's not impressed me this year, and I'm not sure why they chose grass. Um, it's not really one of her favourite surfaces. I think clay is her best surface. Yeah. Um, so hard would have been the neutral, but Ash Barty's a freak on grass, and so is Casey Delacqua as a doubles pairing, and it suits Destiny Iava's game as well. So grass was a good option, apart from the Gavrilova pick. But look, I think she loses to Kostiuk, but I think Australia get through 4-1. You got 5-0? I got 5-0, yep. And Joel has 4-1 as well. Mm-hmm. So interesting picks there. The winner of that will play Russia or Slovakia in the second round of the of World Group 2. In the actual World Group, Belarus, the number one seeds here. I, don't ask me how. I know they made the final last year, but no, Azarenka is still tough. Um, they'll be led by Sasnovich, um, but they've got Germany in their first round in Minsk in on an indoor hard court in a cold Europe at the moment. Um, do you reckon Sabalenka would scream down the roof? Maybe. She is playing. It, it, it could come down. I, I really think they should reinforce the roof because her screaming is brutally loud. Um, what, what have we got here in terms of picks? Uh, I have... Is, hang on, is Angie Kerber playing for Germany? No, no, she's not. She's not. It's okay. a pretty. It's actually not a very full strength German team. If it was, yeah. you'd go Germany. One hundred percent. Yeah. I'm. Well, for me, that actually kind of swings the pendulum a bit. Um, yep. I'm going to go Belarus three two. Yeah, I've got the same. I've Gosh. got Belarus three two. It's. I reckon it's more the singles because you got two from Belarus inside the top one hundred, and yeah. Germany has Maria, and that's it. Yeah. So, so it's it, a bit difficult. You got to lean towards them predominantly off that more than anything else. I would think um, Gronfield's going to help Germany win the doubles, yep. but I think um, Belarus will win three of the four singles. Yep, fantastic. And the Czech Republic take on Switzerland in what will be an interesting tie in Prague, indoor hard court again. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, well, I'm going to go 4-1 Czech Republic. Fantastic. Joel? Um, I, no, I'm going to go 5-love. Five 5-love? Five yeah. Yep. You know who Benchich is playing? Yeah. All right, big big call there from Joel. Um, I've got three two for the Czech Republic. Three I think, two. Yeah, I think Benchich will win both her singles. Really? Yep. She's in good form. She's in good form. She's in okay form. Oh, yeah, she's in good form. 
Well, oh, the way she fired the Australian Open. Oh, the way she finished last year, I think she's in pretty good form. She, I think she was under twenty three match winning streak coming into this year after winning the the one two five k events. But look, we'll see I, how we go against Pliskova, former world number one, and also Kvitova has just come off the back of a title. You reckon she's going to beat both of them? Yeah, I thought she'll push them at least. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit scared now, but uh, <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh, Belgium against France in uh, La Roche Soyon. I think I've said that correctly, but um, hard court indoor as it's so cold over there. So uh, I've got Belgium winning this one 3-2 just with the amount of players that they have. Um, France don't have the most but full it's, strength It's side. not France, it's Milanovic. Yeah. Team, team Milanovic versus and Belgium. She's struggling to win matches, so that, that's oh, why. Oh, she made the final. Yeah, but apart from that, she was one of 13 before that. Oh, obviously struggling with form, but I, I think that that final will help her quite a bit. Especially right. that being that recent. Your pick. Still got Belgium winning 3 2. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And Joel? Um, yeah, Belgium 3 2. Yep. Awesome, thank you. And America versus the Netherlands in Asheville, indoor hard court. The big news coming out of this is the return of one Serena Williams. Now, she hasn't played since the Australian Open last year after giving birth to her child, Alexis. How do, how do we think she'll go? Uh, Venus is also playing, so this is a really big tie for America. The, the Williams sisters haven't played for quite a few years in the Fed Cup. so I think with how poor Netherlands' team is, um, mm. she'll a lot of the pressure will be off her shoulders. Yep, no Kiki. Yeah. So it doesn't help them. But oh, She'll be very relaxed coming into um, her matches. She'll feel like, even if she does lose, that um, America's still going to be dominant. And I think with that, without lax pressure, I reckon she'll wipe them off the floor. I, I'm going 5-0 America. Fantastic. And Joel? Uh, yeah, I'm actually inclined to agree with that. I think, 5 nil. Yeah, I think it's going to be a whitewash. 5 nil whitewash for me as well. So at least we can all agree on something today. But look, it's been... I think it's... It's been a long time for Serena. I wouldn't be surprised if she drops her first set when she plays her out of rust. But look... I think she should win both of her singles matches, should she play two. I reckon they'll only use her for one. Um, and they might not even play the final rubbers because in the Davis Cup, I think only one of them or two two ties actually played a fifth rubber. None of them were live. So, see, um, I, th- I see it going the exact opposite way. I'll see um, everyone will be watching her because it'll be the first time they've seen her in almost a year and there'll be a lot of pressure riding on her. And I think she'll capitalise on that and she will wipe her off the floor. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting weekend for her. I, ho- I hope she does well. It'll be good to see her back. Um, hopefully she can play some consistent tennis and get back to the top because it'll be a good challenge for the players that have been without her for a year and haven't been able to match up against her. So let's see how the weekend plays. We'll review that in depth next week and see and talk about the Serena return. But that's it for Breakpoint Podcast this week. It has been a sweltering edition of the show i'm almost dripping all over my little notepad here so it's been uh, it's been tough but we've got through guys and josh campbell thank you very much for joining me on the show today no worries val always a pleasure it has been a pleasure and joel fruchi you got a pool at home so you need to go for a swim because your tongue is out panting like a dog at the moment that's how hot you are so <laughs> thanks mate for joining us and braving the heat hopefully it's cooler next week val fingers crossed um We've got the fan here, this trusty click fan that's helped it's on it's on its moving yeah. moving setting. So fingers crossed. It's uh, worth about ten bucks, just so people know. Well, look, it's it's been <laughs> all right. It's been all right today. That little one second of air that you get has helped. But uh, Val Febo here with you on Breakpoint Podcast. Remember that you can uh, follow us on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Facebook Break point and also our Wooshka page you can listen to our podcast on itunes that will be up later tonight so we're pretty excited for you guys to hear that but remember to tune in next week and hope you have a lovely day and a lovely week